so red pandas are, uh, now we realize, based on genetic research, that red pandas, Aluris fulgens, which is their full scientific name, are the only extant or living species in the family Aluridae, which is closely related to Procyonidae, which is the raccoon family. Okay. They're distinct enough that we put them in their own family, but they're very close to raccoons and ringtails. Okay. So the scientific name for red pandas, uh, again, Aluris means cat. And then Fulgens is Latin, instead of Greek, for bright and shining. So they're bright cat things. Okay. And I mean, they're red. They're pretty obvious. Yeah. So I get that. Oh, um, No. Camouflage going on there. Yeah. Well, sometimes you don't have to be camouflaged. Yeah. Sometimes you can just chill. Um, so, pro, like I mentioned, Procyonidae is the family they're most closely related to. Those are raccoons and ringtails. So, pansy. Weasel things that wash their garbage. Weasel things. Weasel things. Well, because there's a there's a group of things that are in a super family, um, Mustelidae. That's like weasels, which is Mustelids, mm-hmm. Mustelidae, um, skunks, which are in in their own family, uh, Mephitidae, raccoons, which are their own family, Procyonidae, and then Aluridae, which is the red pandas. Mm. So they're all kind of like but they're distinctly related dis- distantly related related enough that they're in their own families i like all those animals i know they're cute they are uh yeah they're uh, but mean yes weaselly as you would weaselly. Say, uh refer to weaselly creatures weaselly. um so red oh, pandas weaselly. Weaselly. <laughs> uh red pandas as well as other families in the mustelloidea so like i just talked about mustelids like so weasels badger skunks Martins, all that stuff. Ferrets. Uh, don't start with the badger song. Don't. I see you wanting to do it, and don't do it. Um, as well as Ursids, or Ursidae, which is the bear family. Mm-hmm. And pinnipeds. Pinnip- the, the, which we talked about with Jake. The pinnipeds. We're doing fin hands. Fin feet. So pinnipeds. So seals, sea lions, elephant seals. And as well as dogs, or canids, all share a common ancestor. Hmm. So all of those groups, even though they're within carnivora, those groups are classified into the suborder Caniformia. Cani meaning dog, formia meaning shape light. So uh, carnivora, the order carnivora, is split into two suborders, dog-like and cat-like. I would uh, be fascinated to see uh, on your Instagram page, if you ever feel like doing this, mm-hmm. uh, like a Darwin's tree, but of uh, where each of your episodes... An evolutionary tree, you mean? Y- yes. Where each of my episodes end up because... They keep connecting. Oh, shit. We keep doing that. I know. Yeah, so we got the pinnipeds that showed up here. Uh-huh, and then, and then we, we talked about cats. So I know. So we got these, like, divergent episodes where you keep going into the cat-like and the dog I know. It's just been all carnivora. Weirdly, everyone likes carnivores. They're very uh, charismatic. Next episode we do, I'll pick a herbivore. Okay. I'll see if, I'll see if you actually do that. Oh. Now it's a challenge. Yeah, that sounded like a challenge. Well... We'll talk about it, but I think you and me and Jake are going to record an episode, and I think we have an herbivore lined up. Mm. Hopefully. But a violent one. Well, yeah. Like, er, just because they're an herbivore doesn't mean they're not violent. Okay. Look at Jake. Father, fucker's a vegan. Yeah. He's one of the most non-violent people I've ever met. Except with me. You guys... Not physically. Verbally. Yeah. uh, Let the record state that Jake has never... Jake has never hit a woman. (laughs) Or anybody. Yeah. Jake Jake has brittle bones. He can't hit people. But Jake has said some very scathing things. (laughs) That remains... That's up for debate. How many times when we were having a fake internet fight where I'm like, Jake, 
You've gone too far. Yeah, I feel like that's mostly momentum. I feel like that's not necessarily what he said. Uh, you know what? No, he doesn't. No, I was going to say, if I can hold back, if I can hold back, yeah. he can hold back. Yeah. He doesn't pull his punches verbally. Yeah. I said it, Jake. <laughs> By the way, I felt touched when you guys mentioned my name uh, in the other episode. Well, because we, all three of us hang out together so often that it's just like, it's always kind of weird when... Now, yeah, now we just like reference it. Now... <laughs> <laughs> if only I could get a recording of every time my name gets mentioned uh, mm. and listen to it as a podcast form. I'd just be so happy. Uh, uh. The nice things people say about me, which I'm sure happens. <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed at that. That was kind of dismissive. <laughs> I, I threw it out there and uh, that was the response that uh, made me laugh. So, oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, uh, cheers. Cheers. So... Anyways, back to the topic at hand. So yes. these are all dog forms. So um, so like I said, carnivorous split into dog-like and cat-like. Mm-hmm. So you have some individuals that you see that are in kind of these suborders. You're like, based on behavior, I would have put you in the other one. But skeletally, I understand why you're in this one. My favorite example of this, and this is how I phrase it, is hyenas. Right. Hyenas are in carnivora. Right. They're in the cat-like suborder. Okay. So the way I always phrase that, I'm like, it's like a Hackintosh. They're dog software running on cat hardware. Okay. I feel like you're pandering to me. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think this actually comes from Brad more than my boyfriend more than anything. (laughs) But it's true. They have skeletal structures that are from that filiformes and they're related to other cat like carnivores, carnivores, carnivora. Um, but they act like kind of like dogs. This is a fascinating thing because every time I get drunk, I think about behavior versus genetics. Um, so it's a mixed bag, baby. Like it can just go all over the place. Nature nurture. Yeah, uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to be like this is genetic versus this is fi- this is physical. Nope. Yeah. Nah. And you know the the yeah it, it is a mixed bag. But like you know uh, if you're classifying things, where do you put things? And so I, I find the fast I find it fascinating where. The line gets drawn. With mammals, it's all anymore these days. It's genetics, obviously. But then dentition is actually pretty good, too. If you look at their teeth, like mm. that, because that's what I learned when I did cranial studies in mammalogy was like, if you look at the number of teeth and how they're structured, that's very indicative of how they're all related to each other. Just loud. I'm fine. But also, I've lost so much weight that I'm cold all the time. I am perpetually like in the Kelvin range. So, um,. <laughs> It's a problem. Like, everybody's like, oh my god, Southern California's gotten cold. I'm like, I still sleep with the AC on. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. I've burned through so many mattresses. It's been like a thing at work, too, because everyone's like, it's so hot in the tasting room, and I'm like, in pants and a sweater, and I'm like, I'm finally comfortable for the first time in weeks. And they're like, and no one wants to fight me at work about anything, because like, I can just, I, 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 uh, my dad would love this, but I 100% will fake do the, my dad's dead. Which at work, everyone knows that I'm, like, my, my co-workers know I'm fucking with them because yeah. I just make it very dramatic. Also, my dad would enjoy that joke very yeah, much. Absolutely. He would. Absolutely he would. Yeah. I, I never know, like, when I'm dealing with something mm-hmm. like that, like, when my dad got sick, I was just like, why is everyone treating me like my dad isn't sick? Oh, they don't know. They don't know. Well, it feels rude to bring it up. <laughs> and so I'm just like. Right. I'm just like, why are you guys carrying on with your shit as normal? And I'm just like, 
It is normal for them. It is normal for them. This is why. This is that's part of why I made it into a joke. Yeah. Because I'm like coping mechanism humor. Yeah, I mean it's one of the healthier coping mechanisms there are. That's true. As we drink more beer. All right, folks. Welcome to Buzz Biology. This is the uh, first one I'm recording after my dad's died. If you couldn't tell. Uh, and I'm here with Richard Doom, who's that's raising awesome. a glass to my dad. Cheers. Um, he would be so proud that I was continuing to do this. I believe so. so. Yeah. So, uh, playing off the momentum of posting the one that I recorded with Jake before my dad died, I hit Richard up and I was like, hey, I'm off on Wednesday. Do you want to record? And he was like, yes. So we kind of threw this one together pretty quickly. Yeah, this is like a three-day production. Yeah, which is, with working and everything in between, this is kind of a little yeah. tight. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, turns out it takes me three hours to do research, at the least. <laughs> um, so we're here, and, uh, before we get into today's topic, let's talk about what we're drinking. We're drinking uh, Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale, because tis the season. Indeed. And uh, we were talking... spooky season. Spooky time! <laughs> I'm not even one of those people, Happy... but I love how into it everybody else <laughs> Happy is. Happy second day of Halloween, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I went to work yesterday wearing a necklace with a bat on it, and I was like, Happy first day of Halloween, everybody! Like the vine I made forever ago, and everyone's like, it's the first of October, and I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. None of these and? Philistines. None of them know mine. Fucking Philistines. Yeah. Bullshit. Ventura County. Get on my spooky level. Yeah. <laughs> every day. Everybody's every day is Halloween for me. Like one of my favorite memes is the like September thirty, <laughs> October first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my friend Brock posted. Always one. good. He, he posted one. It's just like normal picture of him. Next picture is like him as Dracula. It's like October first. Oh 1st. shit! I need to make my own meme. Well, it doesn't work, though, because I'm just spooky all the time. We'll just make that the uh, uh, episode. Right? Yeah, I should just, like, spooky panda. Not spooky panda. <laughs> spooky panda. <laughs> um, so we're drinking... This one will be black with white spots. <laughs> Reverse goth panda. Yeah. Insane clown pasty panda, honestly. <laughs> Based on that color scheme. Panda. Yeesh. So today's topic is pandas. Mm-hmm. So we got into it too quickly. Um, We're drinking pumpkin ale. We are. Because when I was talking to Richard about what we should drink today, he was like, what... What do you what do you want what do you want from the liquor store? I'm like, you know what? There's a bit of been a bit of a nip in the air. Um, in fact, this weekend here in Southern California, it was quite cool. It almost rained a little bit. Uh, uh, it rained a little bit in Ventura County. I don't know about over here. Uh, uh, I, I work in a bunker. Oh, fair. Uh, I don't see the sun. The the mornings have been crisp. There's a distinct smell in the air down here where it's just like, it smells like fall a little bit. Yeah, it's a uh, fire season's about to start. It's fire season. That's what it smells like. I'm like, there's not enough smoke in the air right ah, now. It's, it's almost fire season. It's almost fire season. Southern California's favorite time of favorite year. Favorite time of year. Um, so I was like, since it's cooling off a little bit, uh, I would love like porters, stouts, Oktoberfests. I hardly need a reason to drink a porter, so. I know. But my liquor store is like still just three-fourths summer like just mm. like mango like um, mm. uh, what was it um busy beaver or whatever the um belching beaver belching beaver is just like oh they usually have like a really good porter and stuff right they have the peanut butter porter yeah and i'm just as soon as i saw the logo it's like mango i'm just like what the hell belching beaver has like mango stuff it's not even like like the other southern southern california fall thing i'm like it's not even 80 degrees outside what are you guys <laughs> doing it's fall it's 79 like <laughs> But no, that's how the stock works with yeah. beer stuff. So you found some stuff. Yeah, I uh, pilfered what I could, and even that was like, 
it, the 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 attendant there is just like, oh, this is a good Oktoberfest beer, and as you noticed, it's like <laughs> yeah. And then Richard shows it to me. I'm like, this is actually a lager. This is a not. This is an Amarzin. I don't actually know anything about alcohol. I just drink it when it's in front right. of me. Right. Yeah. I'm just a receptacle. You know the stuff because you uh, unfortunately apply it. I mean, unfor- quote unquote, unfortunately. But unfortunately. yeah, I apply it, so I gotta. Yeah, I'm uh, the cheapest uh, date in the world. Which is like, <laughs> You're like, hey, um, this is good. Like, good. Is oh, cool. There's only been like one beer I ever stopped. Like, no, I can't drink this, and it was like some kind of like Mexican chocolate beer. Which really sounds good. Oh man, that um, sounds good. But it was just like ninety percent molasses. It was just like, oh, like a bad Mexican chocolate beer. Yeah, it it either went bad or it just was bad from the get go. Mm. The the same oh. company. I bought a, another beer from the same company and it was really good. Hmm. Um, but I think that one was coffee or maybe I have the two mm. reversed. But um, yeah, it was just not good. That is unfortunate. So, uh, when I texted Richard and I was like, let's record on Wednesday, we did not have anything in mind. So I was like, what do you want to talk about? And I don't even remember if you suggested anything else because the suggestion that I went with was the giant panda. Yes. I, um, I purposely tamped down my ideas because all my (laughs) ideas are controversial and, um, biology is an uncontroversial science. So it's very uncontroversial. We're all just rainbows and sunshine over here. Yeah, everybody gets along in the Everyone gets it's totally like the, along. It's not like the bone wars were. Yeah, like, no, that's not totally why I kind of halfway left my department is because no one got along really well. We were all like best of friends. <laughs> I I didn't have the head of our department totally scared of me. Well, to be honest, the first time we met, you told me how you ate somebody, so... It was an accident, okay? Accidentally eating somebody is not better. <laughs> it was because I gestured too much with my hands. No, he was scared because he heard my he- heels coming down the hallway in the first three weeks, and he knew I was going to come in and complain about something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's how it was. I'm very happy. I'm sure they're very happy I'm not there anymore. So we picked Giant Panda, and so uh, can you rem- explain why we want to talk about Giant Panda? I feel as though um, I've been hearing about pandas my entire life, mm-hmm. um, because they're cute and cuddly and big and everything, that a kid would love. Um, but I feel like every couple of years I hear something that contradicts something else that I heard. So um, I have no idea what's true about them. If somebody told me something about it, I was like... All right, I'll go ahead and throw that in the repository, but I'm not going to give it uh, a truth or false value of anything. If somebody's like, hey, what do you know? If you right now ask me, hey, Richard, what do you know know about about pandas? pandas? They live in China. They are native to China, I guess is more accurate. Um, And they uh, aren't great at mating in captivity. uh, They eat bamboo. Mm -hmm. Um, They're black and white. What they look like, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's... Basically it. Everything else I've heard, I couldn't tell you if it's true or false. Right. There's been a lot of up and downs about where they're placed. Yeah. Like, so it's just like, I, yeah, I'll get into this. Because I even was confused as like a huge biology nerd since I was like a wee small child. There was moments where I was like, wait, what? With pandas? Okay, I feel vindicated. So, yeah, don't feel too bad. They've been confusing. Yeah. Don't feel bad. You got more beer to drink. So... The giant panda, which uh, the scientific name of is A. Lurpodia melanoleuca, is a bear native to South Central China. Okay. They are a bear. Um, before I get into like the whole taxonomy of it, I'm just going to talk about the scientific name for a little bit. A. Lurpodia comes from ancient Greek. A. Luro refers to cat, and poda refers to foot. 
So cat foot. And then melano luca is also from ancient Greek. Melano means black, which you knew. Uh, I, I Seems studied like. a little bit of those languages and melano mm-hmm. and melanin, um, yeah. Also, just like if you know anything about um, medical science, melanocytes, melanin is the pigment in our skin that makes our skin, hair, eyes darker. Yes. Um, so melanin is re- created by melanocytes. Some people have more melanin created by their melanocytes than others. So melanin obviously refers to darkness. Darkness. Like the darkness. The darkness. Not like <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I got you. Also, you made some like uh, Greek and Latin references in your episode with Jake, and like I, I specifically remember getting on the on ramp on Highland and just being like, "I know this." Finfoot, Finfoot, Pinnipets. Which I hope he was doing again. This is a podcast. You can't see the hand motion. I hope like he does that now when he you talks to little kids. should just start recording videos. I should. Just like, um, you know, as supplemental That's actually something I've kind of thought about doing is asking people to, like, record us recording on their phone, like, in videos so we can, like, use the videos to, like, promote it. Because, obviously, I can't keep control of my hands. (laughs) And neither can Jake because, like, the two of us were just, like, fucking lows. The both of you are just too wacky and inflatable. Arm people. Like, that's what we are. It's just, like, just, like, one of us is, like, the mini version. I've been slapped so many times while hanging out with the two of you. Just elbows and hands flying around everywhere. Um, So, Milano means black. (laughs) And Luca actually means white. So, we actually have cells in our body called leukocytes that are white blood cells that attack. So, basically, what their scientific name means is black black and and white white cat. cat foot. Yeah. Which I'm like, I guess. Were cats native to South Central? Cats are kind of everywhere. I guess because you have you have leopards over there. You have some of you have some smaller cats in that region. Okay, so okay, we're using. Think about tigers in like Indian and Chinese art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're very familiar with the tigers in particular in that area. Okay. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, floored by somebody who, like, looked at a panda and was like, yeah, it's like a cat. It's kind of a cat. It's like how everybody describes everything, everything tastes like chicken. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like a cat. <laughs> well, I will, I, I'm going to get into this actually when we get to the taxonomy of this, because pretty much go. carnivores are either dogs or cats. Of course. Kind of. Um, so even, I even looked up the, um, Chinese and Tibetan names. Ooh. Um, so in Chinese, the giant panda translates to large bear cat, and I apologize because I'm going to completely probably massacre this pronunciation. The only Asian language I speak with any any uh, accuracy is Korean, and even that I don't speak that well. I'm pretty sure the Chinese would be very happy to hear that you would differentiate the two languages. Oh well, yeah, it's all, the alphabet's not even the same. Yeah, the, they borrow heavily. <laughs> they they're, do borrow heavily. They're brothers and sisters who do not uh, recognize their relationship. So, anyways, I'm trying to get. I'm going to try and say the Chinese word for this. Go da for da zheng mao, because I know ma- I know how to say mao. We all know how which to say mao. Mao is cat. Zheng mao. I actually also really enjoy that in every language in that area that I know of, the word for cat is the noise they make. Yeah. Like, in Thai, it's, like, meow. Well, I don't know. I think in a lot of the East Asian languages that uh, cats don't say meow, quote-unquote. Oh, okay, because they're all called something that sounds very similar to meow. Because, like, uh, a lot of the... uh, Rather infamously, I learned that, like, a lot of the animals don't say... Like, cow says Mm. moo Mm -hmm. in America, but it says something else. So, like, um, 
shoot. I forget Well, but that's like Latin Latin and romance based languages. I don't know about in East Asia. Yeah. Because I, I, I was going to say, I know what everything says in French, and it's nowhere near close to what we say in English. Yeah, I think, like, uh, what is it? Frogs go, like, ghetto, ghetto, as opposed to, like, ribbit, ribbit. I mean, I think that's actually more accurate. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back yeah. to the language thing and the naming of this. And then Tibetan, uh, the word for panda, also means cat bear, which is bai, bai la dom. So... All languages kind of like came across saying that this thing is like a cat bear. Cat-ish. Cat-ish. Which is funny because they're in the dog-like suborder of Carnivora. Really? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, there may be some reasons for this. Because if you look at like a normal bear, like if you look at a polar bear, are you going to say it's more like a dog or more like a cat? Uh, a bear would be dog-ish. Dog-ish, right? Yeah. They don't act like cats. No. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Hmm. So, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to this whole taxonomy thing know. about this dog-like and cat-like. Because I have some other points to make about dog-like versus cat-like animals. Yeah. Um, so, uh, before I kind of get into further things about the panda, there used to be a lot of confusion about where pandas ended up in the relationship uh, between actual, quote-unquote, true bears and where they were related to red pandas. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to refer to the pandas we're talking about today in China as giant pandas, because that's kind of the accepted common name for them. Um, there's also red pandas, which are adorable. Yes. And I, by far my favorite of the panda. Every time you go to a zoo and you like ask me a question. Oh, red pandas. You always ask for red pandas. pandas. Yeah. Did uh, I tell you about the fun story that I was told about at the um, zoo in Washington, D.C., the National Zoo? I don't think so. Uh, they had to redesign uh, the red panda exhibit because there was one that kept getting out. <laughs> and he would just be like, peace, motherfuckers, and like fucking wander away and like go into downtown Washington, D.C. and be like, what's up? And everyone's like, what the fuck? So they had to like redesign the whole thing. That's fantastic. The whole exhibit. I, I love red pandas because uh, they have all the cuteness of a panda, but they're called red pandas. And, you know, um, as a leftist, I just have a lot of fun with yeah, them. Yeah, I was going to say, as a socialist, you like them like it when it's red. Yeah, I don't even know what I would necessarily call myself, but I'm just like, I love the idea of like a red panda. This panda's <laughs> condom- con- uh, that Easy for me to say. This panda's communist. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I just see red pandas used in like a whole bunch of like Stalin propaganda. And yeah, with like the that. little hats, with the little hats. Just oh, like, absolutely. With like red rays behind them, like... Mm-hmm. That's not what you can do for country. That's what you can do for red panda. <laughs> and all the pictures. Replace Mao with red panda. Ah, like I like it. I'm down. <laughs> um, so it was once believed that they were closely related. Red pandas and giant pandas. Because they visually resemble each other. And as you may recall from when we last talked about like grouping of animals and taxonomy and everything. Um, before we had the technology to establish relationships between DNA... We often built taxonomic relationships by resemblance, whether it be external or internal, like skeletal structures or internal organs. Um, red pandas show some of that sign of that weird sixth digit that I'll get into about giant pandas. So their hands were very similar. They looked kind of similar. So it was enough to be like, maybe these are related? Hmm. Maybe? Maybe? I feel like a red panda would be more like relate more to a tiger than a panda. I suppose, like, I, I feel like seeing red pandas in action, I'm like, oh, I kind of see how you kind of be panda-like. Yeah, learning about taxonomy is just one thing that I'm just like, I would not have put those two together. Okay. Yeah. The, turns out a lot of us feel that way. Because uh, with tax, there was a great example that I was really mad about because um, there was a hypothesis that New World vultures were closely related to storks. 
Uh-huh. Like, so turkey vultures that we see here in California and black vultures and stuff like that were closely related to storks, whereas the vultures we see in, like, Europe and Africa and Asia are closely related to hawks. Because they look very different. Huh. And we're like, oh, that's such a great storyline because storks kind of have a bald head. They're carrion eaters. That'd be cool. And then it turns out, based on DNA, that vultures are actually hawks across the board. Huh. So that's kind of annoying because it, I'm like, I like that storyline. It's it's funny to hear the disappointment in your voice while I'm just like, ooh, a new piece of information that I didn't know. I know. Whereas you're like, I had a competing hypothesis and they shot it down. Fuck you guys. Yeah, welcome to being a scientist. Yeah. All your hypotheses are always on shaky ground. Because these aren't pure bones. They develop in a very strange way. Mm. Um, before we move on to back to giant pandas, I don't. I also want to address part of the thing that makes red pandas and giant pandas kind of resemble each other is that they're both considered quote-unquote living fossils, which is a term that I'm not the biggest fan of Okay. because it's deceptive. What we mean by living fossil... It's very poetic. Well, it is poetic, but it's also, I think, deceptive because people are like, well, pandas have been around then for millions and millions of years. I'm like, no, 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 no. What I mean by the term living fossil is I mean an existent species, an extant species that shares the most characteristics with a common ancestor for the group. Interesting. So like coelacanth, you've heard of coelacanths, right? Mm. There were those fish that we thought were extinct for forever and then we caught one off Africa's coast. It's just like, oh, this is a very, like, ancient form of fish. It's a living fossil. Yeah. What it means is, yes, it has undergone evolution. Anyways, back to the topic. Like uh, like I said, I want to discuss this whole dog form versus cat form. Yeah, I'm curious. So, yeah. I really want to do an episode on hyenas. I might just do it by myself. Because I fucking love hyenas. I I'm... Hyena skull is definitely on the list. I'm on board. Of tattoo time. Really? Yeah. We're going to get one for my dad done first. And then we're going to do a rat skull right here. What are you going to do for your dad? Um, I'm getting the first car that we got together, which is an International Scout 2, 72. Um, and I have a really great picture of it where it's kind of shot from down low. Mm-hmm. And there's Moab Rock in the background. So we're going to kind of do that. And then we're going to hide my dad's name, name in the license plate. So that's what we're going to do. So that's on the list first before Simon and I get into any other tattoos. But, like, I've got I've got ideas. Yeah. Hyena skull somewhere. We're going to do an elephant skull on my thigh. Mm. Um I want to do smaller bones like uh, baculum this, and hyoid bone here on my inner arm. This is uh, incredibly depressing and not good for a podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, tell me about it. I saw a tweet today that was like, uh, it was like um, tweets in history or something like that, mm-hmm. and it was a picture of like 1920s circus hung its performing elephant because it killed its trainer. No, hung so, it. Hung it from a crane. So it's a picture of a hanging by its neck, dead, limp elephant Ugh. as punishment for, kill- for killing its most likely abusive trainer. Abuser. So I'm just, Jesus. like, every, all the comments are like, what the fuck? This, what, I'm what, sure this 20s? definitely. Yeah, something like that. Black At least Black. Edison el- electrocuted it. That's way less traumatic yeah, than a hanging. It's, still not great. I'm just like, of all, like... Elephants. Jesus. Like crimes, of all the things. Crimes against elephants, one of the most heinous fucking things. They're one of the most <laughs> yeah. Beautiful and like intelligent creatures. Elephants and dolphins, man. Yeah. Uh man, we've killed those by the dolphins. Well. Um but, I mean, uh, I would even hold elephants above dolphins. Because yeah. I don't know about any rape cases in elephants, but I know about rape cases in dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. 
problematic. Because if you don't undergo evolution, you're not going to survive in this in the current climate. Like, we, you can't exist as the same thing for millions of years. Yeah, and circumstances change. Circumstances change. If Environments change. Exactly. I mean, kind of. Um, but what we mean by living fossils is that they share a lot of characteristics with the specimen or the species that existed millions of years ago. It's not the exact same species, but it's similar. I kind of like the expression living fossil. Measure things in units of one is because you only know personal experience. You can only speak in relative which is terms. Why, which is why I have a problem with anecdotal data, because everyone's like, oh my god, this one story happened, and I'm like, that actually isn't data. Yeah, it's not are, data at all. You're the outlier. Right. So, like, you know, uh, the we are, uh, and this is what my podcast is about, story. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to hijack. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We are, um, yeah, we, we, we relativize. Everything is just, um, just uh, there is no such thing as objective. Even, uh, we have True. great and profound arguments about what is objective. So the idea of stuff that happened millions of years ago is so beyond the pale that right. it's just like, well, how do you even know? I can't even tell you what happened yesterday. Data are objective, but our experiences with them are subjective. And that's an important thing to realize, yeah. which is also why I'm like, I tell people, I'm like, hey, like, anecdotal data is not good. And that might make it important to you, but shouldn't be the end-all be-all about why you believe a certain thing. Yeah. So... Anyways, that's a good spot to pause because I have to pee. Me too. Um, so let's pause right here and we'll come back into getting into giant pandas right. specifically in their natural history. Sounds so, good. So, break. Okay. I mean, it's, not, you a think sci- it, do you it's think, not a scientific one. Well, actually. no, it's, it's not completely. It kind of is. It's poetic. But I think that people kind no, of no, interpret no. it incorrectly. Is yeah. why I'm hesitant to use it. Okay, yes. It's imprecise. Yeah, they're absolutely. like, it's like, it kind of harkens back to the argument of like, oh, if we evolved from monkeys, why do monkeys still exist? Yeah. Like, it kind of brings that up and I'm like, well, that's not... Common ancestor, not monkeys. It's common ancestor, which we talked about when we, when we recorded our episode originally was common ancestors and taxonomy. Mm-hmm. So what this means is that pandas, giant pandas and red pandas have traits that are very similar to the common ancestors that they descended from. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're quote-unquote living fossils. Right. They're not complete living fossils. Obviously, like, there's fossil pandas. Yeah. There's fossils in that same genus that are not around anymore. Right. But our current living pandas share a lot of characteristics with that. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And then uh, giant pandas differentiated from other bear species about 19 million years ago during the Miocene epoch. Which I brought that epoch up before for many, many episodes. It's basically the epoch where apes diversified. So mammals are holding sway. You're getting a lot of diversification in mammal mm-hmm. genera. So giant pandas or a very similar ancestor to giant pandas have been around for almost 20 million years. Hmm. Yeah. Look, I, I encountered this when I listened to the episode with Jake where um, when you talk about epochs. Mm-hmm. Or even uh, ages. It's epics, kind of, technically, but yeah. I don't know how to say it anymore. Uh, it, I, um, I can't keep them straight, and when you're dealing with the millions of years... Welcome to me! It's... This uh, is... It, I have no frame of reference. I mean... This is why people have a really hard time understanding evolutionary science. Yeah. Because the scale... Well, a lot of them don't want to. Well, a lot of them don't want to, but also the scale is so hard to comprehend. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm like, this is after dinosaurs are dead. Yeah. Like, dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago, and everyone's like the fuck yeah. like we we are we have only been around for 
15,000 years yeah. as as a species. I don't know that because of a movie. Yeah. So So it's it's a very good movie. I highly recommend it. That's why I try really hard to like kind of explain what happens in these epics when I bring them up or these eras or ages or whatever because it's just like I even as a not totally professional biologist, but as someone that's had years and years of training, I still have like a hard time mentally wrapping my mind around that much time. No, I have a frame of reference when you're dealing in the millions of years. Yeah. When you're dealing in the hundreds of thousands of years. It's even hundreds of thousands of years is like way too hard. Like yeah. modern history didn't start until like well, Stonehenge is what five thousand one hundred years old. Yeah, exactly. The oldest written document we have is the Namor tablet, which was uh, created in about four thousand BC. So, uh, the oldest thing we can think of being created by human hands was 6,000 years ago. Yeah. So, the, the frame of reference, 6,000 years ago, the, like, we call our parents old, and uh, they are, like, 20 years old. You guys older. don't remember what it's like to not have cell phones? How dare you? Like, yeah, that's I mean, the thing. Like... I, yeah, I grew up as cell phones were being invented, mm-hmm. so, like... It I mean, just, it's, it, like, shit at work happens where, because I'm, like, 10 to 5 years older than everybody that I work with. Yeah. Like, stuff comes up, and I'm like, oh, my God. The, oh, my God. The one that came up was, um, we had a beer on, like, that was called Till the Sun's Gone West, and someone called it Five O Goes West, and I fucking lost my mind. I was, like, <laughs> laughing so hard. I brought it up to my coworkers. None of my coworkers knew what I was referencing. Mm-hmm. A movie from, like, the early 90s, and yeah. they didn't know what I was talking about. Like, that's the um... 20 years I will, um, I will not necessarily recommend the movie, but the movie Lucy, mm. uh, one of the uh, most high ideas kind of thing from it was just like, um, she goes into this little diatribe about how, like, you know, the reason why you, um, all right, we relieved bladders Yes. and we have refueled on beer. Well. I have. I'm almost out. Richard has Rasputin in the fridge. Yeah. Which I tapped out on because as much as I love Rasputin, I am a tiny right now. Well, you know, uh, I, I like to invoke the uh, memories of in- unkillable Russians. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't look up to Rasputin with his basso profundo voice? <laughs> and being lover to the Russian queen. I can cure your hemophilia. It, it, it got me... Uh, I've only just recently gotten to the point where I don't have the Batrock song stuck in my head. No, uh, it's it's the Rasputin song stuck in my head mm-hmm. uh, from Anastasia. It's in the dark of the night. Uh, oh my god, such a good song. It slaps. It's a fucking... <laughs> As the kids say, that song slaps. <laughs> and that's the T. Uh, speaking of relative time, we just don't know the meaning. No. <laughs> no. No. That's the motherfucking T. That's the motherfucking T. <laughs> uh, so old. <laughs> Don't even get me started. I'm older than you. What? Yeah. I'm 14,000 years old. Oh, we're talking immortal time. Sorry. I yeah. thought we are talking about this timeline. Yeah. No, no. I'm still young. <laughs> Anyways, back to pandas. We're here to talk about pandas. Giant pandas. Giant pandas. Not red pandas. Giant pandas. Fuck red pandas. I mean, I love them. No. Fuck, pan- fuck giant pandas. We've talked about this before. Have we? Maybe I told someone else I don't like giant pandas. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay, we'll get into it. It's the same reason why I hate koalas. Oh. Don't be such a shitty omnivore. Don't be such a shitty herbivore is basically my whole thing. Stop. No wonder you keep doing episodes on carnivores. Yeah, I know. They're so great. You just surrounded yourself. This is why I antagonize Jake all the time. I'm like, how dare you eat only vegetables, you fucker. 
eat a meat. No, no, it's okay that Jake's vegan. I actually support everyone's dietary yeah. issues. You're, you're, one of the more cons- <laughs> you're one of the most conscientious I'm a people. conscientious omnivore. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, um, so thing I did not know when I was doing the research on this, there are two subspecies of giant pandas. Really? Mm-hmm. So there's the nominate subspecies, which nominate's a term when we use when, like, you have a type species. Mm-hmm. Like, it is absolutely this version of this. So the nominate species, especially in subspecies, usually refers to... Nominate, name. Nominate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Aelopodia mel- melanoleuca. So that's the scientific name of the panda. Black cat. But the black, black and white oh, cat black foot. And white, yeah. So this subspecies is Aleopodia mel- melanoleuca melanoleuca. Because anytime you have a subspecies, you just tack another name on the end of it. You're kidding me. Nope. Black and white, black and white. <laughs> Did I tell you about how, uh, he wasn't my boyfriend at the time, but Brad and my friend Greg loved repetitive scientific names, and that's why our hockey team is Gulo Gulo. I'm a fan of Gulo Gulo, but also I'm a comic book fan, so. I made a, I made a list of, like, I'm like, these are scientific, these are repetitive scientific names. My favorite one is, um, Bison, American Bison. Which is basically just bison, bison. Pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza. Bison, bison. The little Caesars of uh, herbivores. And no wonder we almost hunted them to extinction. Mm-hmm. We hunted them to extinction because they're delicious. Buffalo wings, baby. Buffalo wings. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so, uh, the nominate subspecies, uh, the Aelopodia melaleuca melanoleuca, Makes up the majority of extent pandas. So usually what you would see in a zoo or see in images is that nominate subspecies. Hmm. They're mostly found in the mountains of Sichuan. Okay. So Sichuan peppercorns, Sichuan chicken, if you go to Panda Express. Okay, this is really, you know. this is really making me hungry for Chinese food, and I don't want to be that person. No, no Chinese food. No Chinese food? No, maybe. maybe. T- we're going to eat after the end of this podcast because both of us are very hungry. <laughs> Yeah. We have so much left to get through. Yeah. Okay. So the other subspecies that they have determined that exists is the Quinling panda, which is Olerpodia melanoleuca quinlingensis, and it's only found in the Quinling Mountains of Shaanxi. Okay. Um, at elevations of, I have it in meters, I'm just going to say it in feet, 4,200 to 9,800 feet. For reference, for me, because I've been to Yosemite. Um, the Yosemite Valley is at 4,000 feet. The highest point in the Yosemite National Park is at Tioga Pass, which is also the highest paved highway road in California at like nine nine, like 9,900 feet. So that's where they would be found in those elevations. Kind of, yeah. And for you, because I know you've been to Sequoia National Park, mm-hmm. uh, so sequoias grow in a range between 5,000 to 7,000 feet. Oh, okay. So that's kind of a similar range. So like high altitude... Um, Bamboo forests. The idea of, like, panda, like, roaming the sequoias right now is just, like, tickling me to no end. Can you just imagine a panda, like, lazily climbing up a sequoia, just, yeah. like, staring at you? Uh, it, it, it's such a mishmash. I love crossovers, but, man, that's just something. Please tell Tanya about that, because I think Tanya would appreciate that as well. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing about the Quinling pangua- panda is they are typically dark to light brown mm-hmm. instead of black. So they're, like, brown and white instead of black and white. Oh, now the name doesn't even make sense. Well, it's just based on the mountain range they're in. They're in Quinling. Back to pandas. Pandas. After we've yelled about Jake being an idiot. Um, you, so You did. I have nothing. Jake, hey, it's Richard. I have nothing uh, negative to say against you. I love you very much. Bye. Bullshit. It's just because you're on air. Oh, no. I... Oh, shit. Is, are we still recording? Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Shit. 
Um, anyways, giant pandas range in size from four to six feet long. Look, if you're not going to be accurate... Okay, so they could be what? Like, uh, Aylerpodia, um, what's brown? Oh, God, um, it's like Bruin or No, Bruin, I always thought Bruin meant brown because, uh, bears are Bruin. No, Bruin means bear. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, the scientific name for the polar bear is basically bear bear in two different languages. It's like bear in Greek and then bear in Latin. Of course. (laughs) Because Arctic, you know the Arctic Circle is named after bears, right? What? Arctos is Greek for bear. Arctos? Yeah, it's either Arctos is either Greek or Latin for bear. So the Arctic Circle is the Circle of Bears. Oh my god. It's terrifying. And I'm like, I went up there. Why did I go up there? They told me. And then the Antarctic. Is anti bear? Oh my god. Which means anti bear. This is the section of the map where you will find no bear. I mean, it's true, which is why I always hate seeing... Bear country. We can't go... Which is why I always always hate hate seeing polar bears with penguins. I'm like, no, penguins live in the Antarctica, which is anti-bear. Yeah. When I learned that, I was just like, oh, I feel like I've been lied to by Coca-Cola. Was it Coca-Cola? I don't think that Coca-Cola did it. Well, Coca-Cola did, like, the North Pole series where it was, like, polar bears and Santa. And I'm like, bullshit, those polar bears would eat Santa. That motherfucker's a walrus in terms of nutrition. Yeah, Damn. Was it... Was it your episode with Jake where you're just like, yeah, um, playing dead with uh, yes, bears? Yes, yes. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I don't remember that. Because I it's, run into bears so often. You, you run into them all the time. Oh, all the fucking time. Well, that, like we were talking about, I think we talked about it on an episode. I'm very mad I've never seen a bear in real life because I don't know anyone else that has had extensive bear training as me. And I'm like, I still haven't seen one. And like Becca's like, yeah, no, we've seen grizzlies. They got really close to us when we were fishing in Alaska. And I'm like... I haven't seen a fucking bear ever. Considering how much effort we had to go through camping in Sequoia to like avoid like bears, like always having to lock up anything that might smell of food and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I just like feel like I've interacted with bears <laughs> in a um, intimate way. Yeah, I'm just like yeah. Well, I basically had to accommodate these. That's the thing. Fuckers. In your, when I was staying in Yosemite so much, it was like I obviously did everything you're supposed to because I don't also don't want like as much as I want to see a bear. I'm like I don't want that bear breaking into my car. Yeah, but. Like, Yosemite is all about don't speed, you're going to hit and kill a bear. And so I didn't speed, which is one of my favorite things to do, is to speed while driving. Because that's the only way I get to feel anything ever. You have a podcast about drinking, and you just go ahead and admit, like... I don't do both at the same time. I'm just saying that, you know, a profile could be formed. It's not my legal name. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I, I have talked to many a cop. Because I live in see me. Uh, but I've talked to many a cop. And, like, honestly, speeding is one of the most minor things you can do. Honestly, our speed limits, based on data that we have taken, speeding should, the speed limit should actually be increased everywhere. I agree with that. But I'm a Southern Californian, so. Right. Well, most of our modern cars are actually built to go at higher speeds and are safer. Than, yeah. Um, anyways. Speak of the devil. Oh, did Jake tech finally text us back? Yep. Hi, Jake. Hi. We're recording. Fucker. So bad at texting. Um, anyways. That doesn't sound very... That's not very big. Giant. As far as bears go. That's I mean, not that big. I'm, I'm over big. six feet. Yeah. Like... I could take a panda. You're, you're, you probably could take a panda. They yeah. don't have any energy. You could just like Neither slap do it. I. Yeah, I think you have more energy than a panda. Eh, yeah, I want some interesting meds. We'll get into it. You have a bet, much better diet than pandas. And I know your diet's not that good, but it's better than pandas. My diet is bullshit. <laughs> you will see firsthand when we order DoorDash. <laughs> 
Um, so males can weigh up to 350 pounds. Like, that's the max size for a male panda. That fits for my family as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never thought about it. I always kind of just take things as, eh, they are. They are. But if you think about most other mammals, think about the mammals you know. They're mostly on the brown range. So are pandas just in the doom family then? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, but what what is Latin for doom? I don't know. Um, I think it's just doom. Yeah, I think it might just be doom. Doomay. Doomay. Carnivorous doomay. So females range from 150 to 276, which is pretty high for a female. That fits for the females in the doom family. <laughs> Wow. We're basically dwarves. Basically. basically. Tall dwarves. Tall dwarves. Dwarves. Um, So one of the cool things that I also learned while researching pandas, one of the long-standing questions about giant pandas is why they're black and white. Um, You have exceptions like tigers that are kind of orange, but that's even still brown. Um, Whales, you get a lot of stuff with marine mammals where they're dark above and light below, which is like a lighting thing. You don't want to be seen from above, but seen from below either. So a lot of stuff is, is in mammals, especially because... Mammals aren't made for doing, like, elaborate courtship rituals like birds are. That's where you get so much color in birds. Mammals are usually very bland in coloring. Mm -hmm. So the striking black and white of pandas is very extreme. Yeah. Not a lot of camouflage in black and white. The only thing I can think of that are black and white like this are zebras. And the reason why zebras look that way is it's camouflage. It's stripes among grass and trees. It's hard to go ahead and... Oh, I, I thought it was to... Um... It also... When they're all running together, it's very hard to distinguish which is which. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, depth perception. And, Correct. Uh, 3D um, imaging. And, and the only other thing that can look that I can think in the mammal world that looks panda-like is orcas. Yeah. And again, you have the same kind of differentiation between like dark above white below because they're pelagic so from below they look like the sun from above and from a from looking at them from above they look like the dark of the water um and their their individual markings are individualistic like hey so like fucking killer whale number two has these specific eye rings therefore he's killer whale number two yeah i've never been able to tell killer whales apart but but the thing is it's like also, you got you got to think about it. Like to us, I'm sure to another species, it's like we all kind of look the same. Yeah. So there's obviously some individualistic difference in between the the facial recognition. Yeah. But for the most part, most other, like, especially in the bear family, nothing else has this kind of color marking to it's it. Not in the bear family, but I have something to posit. Yes. Cows. We've bred that coloring. That's true. They are and that was actually That was actually a thing that I kind of edited out of my notes because I didn't like how it was worded, but wild animals do not show this. Yeah. Domestic do. And the, oh, I can get into this because this is a whole different topic. Domestic animals that we have bred to be domestic mm-hmm. start to show baby-like uh, features. Cuteness features. Because we breed it into them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the cuteness features is being spotted. Think about baby animals. Yes. Think about... All the time. Baby... I know, they're so cute. It's they're hard not to think adorable. about them. I love cute But things. think about, like, baby lions are spotted. Oh, yeah. As opposed to adult lions. Like, baby... A lot of other baby things. No, don't fucking start on that. No baby shark here. I'm not allowed to sing anything on this podcast. This no, because fair. you only sing earworms. That my fucking crowd is going to hate me for bringing up. Uh-huh. You know. But... A baby-like feature, baby-like features are like bigger eyes, cute, bigger facial features, floppy ears, spots. Yeah. 
the infamous fox domesticating experience that occurred in Russia where this guy basically bred foxes whether or not they allowed him to approach. So he only bred foxes that allowed him to approach more. Started showing those puppy-like or baby-like features. You started getting spotted foxes. You started getting floppy-eared foxes. Jesus, bred in. Mm-hmm. That's wild. And that's why we why we look like baby chimps is because we have such extended social interactions compared to other apes. We have very little, well, not you, but less hair on our face. Okay. I, and, like, I, I, bigger I, eyes. Well, you know, I feel like we're going below the belt here. <laughs> It's not like go ahead and bring mm-hmm. hair into this. Okay. You know, some of us, like I said, I'm 14,000 years old. Uh, some of us had a little bit more time to develop. <laughs> T- time to others. develop than others. Yeah. But again, these pandas recently have only been like brought into captivity. They shouldn't be showing these like quote unquote spotty cute features. This yeah. Soon. So. They are basically like the defi- like dictionary definition cute animal. Mm-hmm. So part of why they look so cute, and I can get into this later, but one of their cute things, they have really round faces. Mm-hmm. Their round faces are due to massive jaw muscles because they have to chew bamboo. Yeah, that's one of the hardest. So that's part of it. And then they also show these spotted features naturally. Not because it's an advantage to be spotted and cute, but um, a number of studies have like kind of looked into this, like, why are they spotted and adorable question. Mm-hmm. So a study conducted in 2017, which analyzed fur colors and background environments across various carnivores it seems to come up with a fairly decent hypothesis that makes sense when i read this mm-hmm. the white patches on the body allow for panda to be camouflaged in slow snowy environments because mm-hmm. they exist at very high altitudes so their arms and legs being white allow them to be kind of camouflaged in those environments and not bothered okay the white does mm-hmm. the black patches on the body allow for camouflage and shade because they also exist in forests you get a lot of dappling still feel like there's like no other creature that does that Mm -hmm. and they believe the black markings on the face and the head may be used in communication because they're not very aggressive because they don't have a lot of fucking energy yeah because they eat a really shitty diet which i'm gonna get into yeah um the black on the ears could allow them to signal you know how when you come again come up against a cat and the cat's like fuck you bitch and their ears are turned away yeah that's kind of the same idea Okay. So their ears being well, black allow them to... That's why they're cat-like. The black ears allow them to signal, like, I'm pissed versus, like, I'm receptive. Yeah. And then the black eye patches, like I was talking about with killer whales, look like they're used to uh, identify individuals. Interesting. So they do have some definite distinctions between, like... Individuals Like, you can even, like, use it to identify them in zoos. Like, oh, so-and-so in the zoo has this shape versus this shape. So that seems like why that kind of evolved. Unless domestication just started happening way sooner. Way quick! Maybe they were just ready to be teddy bears immediately. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if just, like, our entire timeline of domestication of dogs, cats, cattle, everything like that... Um, just super didn't account for just maybe terrible record keeping in the Southeast Asia, like Central Asia. Like. Yeah, they've just been domesticating pandas for forever. Yeah, for all we know, like they've been pulling plows and shit like that for a millennia, but we just don't know about it. Cow, cow bears. Yeah, we like we just like lost those records mm-hmm. and just like yeah, we don't know why. They we don't know why like, they're doing this. Super cute. So something I've also I didn't notice coming up in any of the studies I found on this. A lot of the things that are uh, attributed to fur color. And feather color is based on diet. Okay. So they also may not have a rich enough diet to do any sort of different fur colors. This thing seems like it should have been an evolutionary dead end. 
I hate that term. It was the first that came to mind. I know, but it's very late stage capitalism. Oh, wow. Sorry. Oh, ouch. I know, that's an especially hard... Ouch, I didn't come on this podcast... to be attacked like this. Fucking eviscerated. But, but that's the thing about, like... I'm going to get into it further, I think, in another point, is, like... People are like, well, what does it exist if it's so dumb? And I'm like... Because not everything is, like, the perfect design all the time. Yeah, it's in evolution. Life isn't about purpose. No. That 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 is. It's well, about making I, do, honestly. Yeah. And like fitting in where you can. In fact, the next point that's coming up in my notes is a perfect example of this. So, um, have you heard of the panda's thumb before? I haven't, but it sounds like a torture technique. Ooh. Oh, okay. You got way too. Okay, no. Shut. <laughs> God damn it, Steve. Don't kink shaming. Kink shaming is my kink. <laughs> <laughs> I need Rex to be on the I show. Know. I mean, let's get him on here. Yeah. Um, so the panda's thumb is actually infamous among biologists because it's a beautiful evolutionary design. And by beautiful, I mean it's kind of shoddy. So if you look at the hand, the forehand, like okay. the forepaw. Anti-engineers. <sighs> kind of. So if you look up. Look biologists. At, <laughs> I know. Kind of. So all the engineers in my family are like, this is a soft science. I'm like, fuck you. Soft science. Eat shit. I hate that. that, That's late stage. That's late stage Mm -hmm. capitalism bullshit. Mm -hmm. Soft sciences. Fuck off. Yeah, except I can't get a job in my science. And then if I was an engineer, I'd have jobs lined up for me like crazy. So. It depends on the field again. Yeah. So we all have, as as apes, as humans, we have five digits. Mm -hmm. We have an opposable digit, which is digit number one. That's our thumb. Okay, we're counting weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, no, it goes one to five. Okay. When we do anatomy. So all of our metacarpals and phalanges are named one to five. From the inside out? Yeah. Well, in our hands. On our feet, it's... No, on the inside out. Because uh, in an anatomical position, our thumbs are facing outwards. It's palms up. Oh, goddammit. But it's always the biggest digit to the smallest digit. Okay. And on our feet, it's big toe to little toe. One to five. Okay. When you look at pandas, and to be fair, red pandas to a certain extent, you have a quote-unquote sixth digit that's not actually a digit, but it looks like one. Because it's evolved to the point where it actually kind of looks like a weird other digit. What this is, is the quote-unquote panda's thumb, which has been like a thing for evolutionary studies. Because the giant panda's front paw has five fingers, just like other bears. In fact, to the point where I have a story to tell about how bear paws look like human hands in certain circumstances. We'll come back to this. But the sixth quote-unquote finger, or the fake quote-unquote thumb, is actually a modified sesamoid bone. A sesamoid bone refers to a bone that is small and rounded like a sesame seed. Anyways, so pandas. If you look at panda paws, they have five digits, and they have an extra digit. Quote-unquote digit. The sesamoid bone that we all have as humans is our kneecap, or our patella. So if you think about your patella, your kneecap, it's built inside the tendon and ligament that attach your upper leg to your lower leg. Okay, so it's not necessarily like free floating, I guess. I it know. is free floating. It's not directly articulated to any other bone. Okay. We have a couple bones that do that. And I'm not going to get into all of them. It's like the patella, the hyoid, and the um, baculum are the best examples of this. The baculum is the penis bone. Oh, I thought it was the um, captain in the Enterprise episode. And the sesamoid bone is a bit of bone that builds inside a tendon or ligament. Uh, Scott Bakula. It was a joke about. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Whatever, man. I I haven't even seen that. Um, so this 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 six digit in the pandas is a sesamoid bone or one of those little seed like bones Mm -hmm. that apparently evolved to act 
like a thumb to help them hold bamboo and they eat it. So why not the first? Digit? Why not the thumb? Yeah. Why not the because thumb? Because this I feel is like that's just you know economy of. Yeah, this is bones. this is like the economy of bones, right? So this is a great example of how evolution works. And Stephen Jay Gould, who is a very famous paleontologist that wrote a lot of essays on um, basically comparative anatomy and evolution, mm-hmm. did a great job explaining this. I'm gonna try and summarize it to the best of my can- my ability. Okay. I've obviously been drinking. So if you want like a more clinical view of this, I would definitely. Uh, compel you to buy the book that's the compilation of the essays that is called The Panda's Thumb. Check the uh, notes for the podcast. I'm go- actually going to put it in the shout outs because I've started doing sources which is my more legit sources and then shout outs which is like we were drinking and we referenced something. Yeah. Kind of deal. And I think honestly like Stephen Jay Gould like does an amazing job at writing science in a way that is both great for scientists and for people that are non-scientists. I do love those writers. Which for me, and for me too, that's a huge thing. Like, that's why I started this podcast, because I hate pop scientist writers. Because I'm like, oh, you guys want to talk like, to everyone like they're a baby, and you don't understand science? Like, that's bullshit to me. Um, but Stephen Jay Gould is, like, amazing at explaining this. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the whole essay on the, the panda's thumb is in defense of evolution, because if evolution was good design and like very extremely logical and had someone maybe pulling the strings like you said it would have been the first digit or the thumb that evolved to be opposable in pandas Mm -hmm. but it didn't a sesamoid bone somehow evolved to be quote-unquote thumb like which based on any programmer engineer i talked to would have been bad design yeah but it did the job. It did the job, and that was the genes that were available to be mutated at that point. Okay. And apparently a panda common ancestor, uh, that sesamoid bone got developed to the point where they could use it and rotate it and hold bamboo, and those offspring of that specific panda common ancestor did better than others that didn't have that sesamoid bone, like, quote-unquote malformation or mutation, Such as the did badly. Yeah. Exactly. So this is a beautiful example of how evolution works. Yeah, we had this thing, this digit already set up, but turns out this one worked just fine, and so we just, like, patched that in. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's uh, the engineer's um, playbook. It's just Mm -hmm. like, look, uh, it works, so I'll um, I'll fucking take it. I'll fucking take it. Yeah. Um, The other thing that's rather famous about giant pandas is their diet. Yes, bamboo. Bamboo. Um, even though giant pandas are in the order carnivora, their diet is primarily herbivorous, 98% of which is bamboo. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you've been telling me carnivora, um, and they only, to my knowledge... Because they're bears. But, like, isn't that kind of a cart before the horse thing? They're just like, well, they're bears. Well, this one eats bamboo only. Bamboo, bamboo. So here's the problem is... Uh, so because they are in carnivora, they're related to other carnivores. Obviously, there's a carnivore carnivorous common ancestor mm-hmm. they only eat plants so they're just lying in wait they could be when they get the when they get the opportunity they will eat like meat and eggs and stuff but it's just it's just a matter of time before the panda uprising yeah so the panda the giant panda is evolved from carnivorous common ancestor with other bears therefore they don't have they don't have the genes for herbivorous diet diet okay they have the genes of a carnivore, and their digestive system is set up like a carnivore. Mm-hmm. So it actually gets very little out of their diet of bamboo. 
So... Because the carnivore's digestive system is very short because you don't need a lot of loops and everything to digest plants. But meanwhile, like, cows have four stomachs to right. constantly digest right. the grass. Whereas if you look at a coyote intestine, it's like, this big is itty bitty. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so this thing's an abomination against evolution. Kinda. That's why I don't like them. Six, six thumb, uh, even though it skipped, like, the uh, no, like, ability to. Yeah, like. It has a digestive system uh, and uh, has developed. That's from... why I don't like them. Engineer brain part of me is like, this is dumb. Who made this? <laughs> Who allowed this to exist? So it actually has very little natural ability to get to digest cellulose. So that's, like, the harder um, kind of structure that gives cell walls, mm. like, the structure in plants. They don't have any natural bi- ability to digest cellulose on their own, and they rely on their gut micro- microbiome to do it. So we have a gut bi- microbiome because we are omnivor- omnivorous. Right. I, so we need... I had a whole bunch of yogurt. Did you have any vegetables today? I haven't eaten today. Oh, that's right. Are you going to have vegetables later? Depends on what we order. Okay. Anyways, we eat a mix, theoretically, <laughs> but we have a gut microbiome that helps digest that plant material for us. Mm-hmm. But we have that kind of built in. We, we inherit it. We develop it. Like, we don't have to get it from anywhere else. Right. Yes, there is a whole science behind, like, fecal transplants and all this other stuff. But that's under extreme circumstances. Have you not heard of this? Uh, no, I have. Just hearing you, like, say it out loud. Just You're like, get Fecal transplants. You're is, like, Jesus. Uh, I, I've absolutely heard of the procedure. It's still just a, 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 a you know, a... So, um, since they don't have a system for it on their own, they're born with a completely sterile intestine. So no bacteria in there at all, unlike us. Mm-hmm. Um, they must get their gut bacteria from their mother's feces. So they eat shit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, like rabbits. Intentionally? Yeah. So if they don't eat shit, they will die. The, uh, <laughs> a miracle of modern science. I mean, so do baby pandas eat their mother's shit? Yes. Haven't we all? Mm-hmm. Um... Instinctively, or are they yes. trained? Because mammals usually train. Not necessarily. Like a lot of our stuff is instinct as well. What? Yeah. Not for us, for humans, because we're we're born with. Humans are a special case because we're born with such large brains that we kind of come out stupid, so we can fit through our mother's birth canal. Yeah. Most mammals are not like that. Okay. Most mammals have some instinctual drive for some of these things. Yeah. They are taught, yes, but not always. And I couldn't find the source on this one. Don't laugh at me for burping on on audio. No, I was. Uh, I'm, I'm mostly just laughing because I uh, I remember you yelling at Jake. About yeah, burp on the podcast. Burp on the podcast. And I have resisted. The, the oh my god! Time. Everyone I have on here like resisted. I'm like, no, we're drinking. It's fine. It's your podcast. You get to do what you want. I guess. So I think it's kind of instinctual and taught. The problem is I couldn't get to the source that this originally referenced yeah. to. So I don't know the exact details on this. Hmm. But I think it must be instinctual because if they didn't, they would die so, in their first year. So their uh, micro makeup is uh, just uh, fecal transfer. As, uh, yes, and it. it's much less diverse than our fecal gut biome too. Wow, this thing really is just kind of like... It's not set up for success. No, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a, 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 I don't know, a harsh realist or anything like that, so I'm not going to say like... This thing shouldn't survive, but uh, I, I, I'm fascinated by like how ill-suited it sounds for, um, yeah, all sorts of. This is why 100 percent I don't like pandas because I'm just like this is kind of dumb. 
But I feel like as a biologist, wouldn't it be fascinating to you? Kind of. Well, that's the thing. I'm just like, um, like I said, engineer brain part of me is like, this is bad. And then biology part of me is like, oh my god, you've existed for millions of years doing this. Yeah. In this very inefficient way. Which I feel the same way about koalas. Because mm-hmm. koalas are kind of... Like, I think I've referred to pandas as garbage. Because I'm like, you're... You're bad at life. And koalas are even worse. Yeah. So, like, my engineering brain, my logical part of me is just like, this is bad. We should probably let this go. But also, I'm just like, as a biologist, I'm like, there is more worth than just succeeding in your environment to the point where you outcompete everything. I'll drink to that. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's room for everything. And, like... I'm a romantic. Absolutely. Well, and the only reason why they're doing bad is because of us. So, I'm just like, extra, like, if if they were, like... Left to their own devices. Yeah, and they went extinct. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, I mean, everything, bummer. Everything that's died uh, since we've been around has been because of us. Not totally, but yes, for the most part, I would yeah. say I would probably say based on what numbers I know, and I don't have any literature to back this up right now. I would say like eighty-five percent. Okay, okay, I'm gonna put it at eighty-five, ninety. I was gonna say fifty percent is just like, oh shit, changed. Like, um, there's a subspecies of goose that's probably gonna go to extinct because there was an earthquake in Alaska. Oh. And it. Raise their breeding grounds up so it's no longer a delta, it's now a plateau, and there's no water there. Oh, interesting. And so they have nowhere to nest and feed. So they're starting to, their numbers are starting to tank, and it's just like, See, that's shit, the one, sorry. That's one of the things I hate about, like, people who are just like, eh, you know, shit happens. Uh, it's just like, yeah, but we, we did 85% of it. Like, you know, yeah, if the, we did a good chunk of it, I'm like, okay, we should probably fix this. Like the bit. silverback population is just like relegated to a certain mountain range because we have gorillas, the lower lowland gorillas. Yeah. yeah. We, we have developed like the entire area around their mountain range. And so they just keep going higher and higher up in the mountains. As and we, they don't do as well. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, no, that's entirely us. And they're like, ah, you know, it probably would have happened otherwise. I'm like, what the fuck? Except, no, come on. Well, also one, we don't know that for sure. And yeah. two, it's just like, yeah, there's enough evidence that we caused this, so maybe we should try and fix it. Yeah, we we like we, we are justifying creatures. We are not uh, moral creatures. We're yeah, like, I was going to hey. say, even despite all these things and all these issues with pandas, they've been highly specialized to live in bamboo forests, and they've done it for millions of years. Absolutely, yeah. So the only reason why they're doing bad now is because we've come in and fucked everything up. And so yeah. it's just like, yeah, you're not very good at being alive, but we're making it worse, and now I feel kind of responsible. Yeah. Wow, I'm even more fascinated by them than I was before. Yeah, I kind of got a little bit of respect from them after this now. I mean, before, like, I, I only thought of them as the creatures that, like, uh, they won't fuck, and so they uh, won't get off the endangered I got species. more about the what they won't fuck thing. I'm absolutely interested in hearing about pandas. So, more about their diet. I'm almost done with their diet. Um, because they need so much bamboo to get any energy, they eat 20 to 30 pounds of bamboo shoots a day. And since they have so much plant material passing through their short digestive system, they shit up to 40 times a day. Well, you know, who among us? Who among us? Does it... Wait, no, that's not okay. I can't afford health insurance. Yeah, that's... Apparently he's panda can't either. (laughs) I think they have better health insurance than we do. (laughs) Um, And because of their low efficiency diet, they limit their energy expenditure in a day, avoiding anything from social interactions to steeply sloping terrain. Same. So basically okay. just depressed millennials like... Yeah. Pandas. This is the sixth digit coming out of my hand? <laughs> oh, God. It looks like a sesame <laughs> seed. Our economy is shit. Our lives are shit. I'm not going to walk up these stairs. Yeah. I'm not going to talk to anyone. Yeah, you know... I'm just going to watch Netflix. I'm going to tweet a little bit Netflix and the AC and just call it a day. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, hell, I was like halfway like close to like texting you to be like, hey, are we recording today? Because if you say no, I'm going to go to sleep like at two. Oh my God. We're all just pandas. Yeah. Millennials. Um, so looking at the morphological structures of extinct relatives of the giant panda shows that its common ancestor was omnivorous as like most bears seven million years ago and only recently became herbivorous two to 2.4 million years ago. Umami is the fifth flavor at savory. Okay. Meat, mushrooms, cheese, fermented things. It's that rich flavor that you get. Okay. So that's what umami is. And uh, most other carnivorous mammals have that receptor. Panda bears don't. Interesting. Yeah. So it looks like at some point they lost that. And they think it's more likely that they lost it after they started to to switch to purely bamboo. Well, probably explains why they eat the basically uh, 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 nature equivalent of cement. Like we talked about. It sounds so long ago, but... And it looks like um, they evolved to also not have the umami taste receptor anymore. And their DNA. It's not cement. It's hard as shit, and it destroyed our backyard. <laughs> well, yeah, the roots, they don't eat that part. Well, it's still... <laughs> they eat the leafy things. My dad dislocated his arm trying to mm. un- unroot some bamboo that, like grew in our backyard jesus and it completely moved well that's why it's a good resource wolf. for them because yeah. it's really hard to take out and digest and digest i guess that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger yeah i guess uh because of the life cycle of bamboo pandas require at least two different species because it's a fairly quick slash fast growing plant mm-hmm. so it's slow to it's quick to establish but it's slow to put out leaves right. so they'll decimate an entire like population and then they have to go back and like eat more of it again okay so they need at least two species they're not great at traveling as we established earlier but they will if they have to same all right yeah i'm like i'll go further down the way to get some in and out yeah you know i'm i'm kind of tired of uh the greek place next to me and the wendy's over here so i'll go a little further i'll go a little further and i think it happens more often like most uh mammals that are usually strictly herbivorous it usually happens when they're pregnant you need a lot more shit to go into making the baby. Yeah. Protein. Protein. Proteins, bro. <laughs> um, adult giant pandas, because of their size, have few natural predators other than us. Um, and then because they still have some of the dentition to support it and some of the digestive to support it, they will still eat meat, fish, and eggs when available. But cubs are vulnerable to attacks by snow leopards, mm-hmm. yellow-throated martens, which are big weasels. Martins are a type of the weasel in the weasel family. Okay. Like imagine like There's a creature out there. Slightly smaller than a wolverine. Alright. But there's a creature out there called a Martin. Yeah. There's actually two creatures called Martins. Alright, now you're blowing. The Martin with the E is a weasel thing. A Martin with an I is a swallow. It's a bird. God damn. Just Martins. Just Luthers everywhere. (laughs) Cause I know people with a surname Martin, and so it's just blowing my mind. Were they a weasel type or a bird type? I can't say on camera. You can't say on on, on uh, recording. On tape. On tape, which is which. Yeah. Uh, panda bear cubs are also vulnerable to eagles, feral dogs, and Asian black bears. Bear on bear crime. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that speaking of anecdotal, that's overblown. <laughs> bear on bear crime. Bear on bear crime is... Not... I was going to say, grizzly eats bla- grizzly bears eat black bears all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, I not know. black bears are bitches. It's true. And my favorite is the sun bear. Adult, as as far as mo- most carnivores are solitary, just because you can't support a large enough range mm-hmm. for a carnivore. Um, 
Adults have defined territories, and females do not tolerate other females in their territory. Sign me up. <laughs> okay. I refrain from making any, like, stereotypical comments. comments, but you just went ahead and just went mm-hmm. right for it. Because it's not true. Are anecdotal data. It is anecdotal data. And they, um, are... Good for jokes, bad for data. Yeah. Um. Arguably, not even all that good for jokes. No, not even that good for jokes, yeah. to be honest. But for shitting on pandas, absolutely. Shitting on pandas. We're here for shitting on pandas right now. Panda stereotypes. Man, these guys are fat. These guys are fat. <laughs> they did not put their mascara on well today because it's all over the place. Girl, get you some waterproof mascara, panda. Oh, my God, now you're just going to roast pandas. <laughs> panda roast mode. You call that a thumb? You call that a thumb? That's a fucking sesame bone. Get out of here, bitch. Boy. <laughs> Boy. Get out of here with your fucking black guy looking like... <laughs> You lose Camouflage. a fight. You got two black Bamboo eating ass. I don't know if it's my favorite. Lazy but, as fuck. Yeah, but uh, every exhibit I've ever been is just highlights how long their tongue is. So much so that they have like benches that look like uh, sunbear tongues. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. my god, it's amazing. And I just like sit on the bench. It looks like a tongue, and it's coming out of like a big uh, sunbear head. And you're like, no thanks. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh no. I'd be like, no, I'm scared. Yeah. I'm gonna get eaten here. I generally don't sit on tongues. Um, and then sub-adults for pandas weighing less than 110 pounds, so like teenage pandas, are prey to uh, Chinese species of leopards, like Amur leopards, which I've discussed with Becca before. Okay. So they're, they're a very endangered species of leopard that lives in China. Hmm. Endangered on endangered crime. Endangered on endangered crime. Well, I have news for you. Pandas aren't considered, enda- considered endangered anymore. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I'm going to get into it. We'll get to it. Um... So, giant pandas are solitary. Jesus. Interactions only occur during the short mating season. Mm -hmm. The male will mate with the female and then be like, peace, and let her, like, raise her cub on her own. Okay. Um, Because giant pandas are large enough to not have any many natural predators, and since they aren't hunting, because they're not carnivores, they can basically keep any hours they want. Mm -hmm. Most mammals are crepuscular because either they're being hunted in the dark or they're trying to hunt stuff that's scared of the dark. They basically exist at dawn and dusk and sleep the rest of the time. Panda bears do not give a fuck. They will exist at whatever time they want to. So is it like purely like based on the individual? Kind of. It seems like is as a species they peak in activity in the morning. Same. Mid-morning, mid-afternoon, and at midnight. Wow. Because they have to eat that much. So they kind of like eat a bunch and then sleep. And then eat a bunch and then sleep. Wow. So they're like a depressed millennial in their hours. Wow, that really does sound um, neat. Hashtag relatable. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> um, they do not hibernate like most other bears, and they don't establish permanent dens. The only time they have a den is when they have a like nursing cub. Okay. So they don't hibernate. They just kind of change in altitude based on the season. And also, they don't make fat because of their diet. Yeah, just plants. Yeah, and they don't they don't have any like way to store any reserves because their diet is so restricted. But they're real fucking big. Like what is that all like it, they're just big. They're just big and fluffy. Their fur is pretty fluffy because they have a lot of insulation. Okay. Because on where they're at, but they're high elevations. Yeah. Yeah, they're just kinda large. Okay. This creature like defies everything like They are snorlaxes. They're okay. snorlaxes. That's awesome. And uh, if you, next time you ask, I have to fight the urge every time you're like, what do you want to do an episode on? I'm like, Pokemon. Pokemon. 
They're ki- I mean, they're kind of Snorlaxes. I can always make al- like analogies to Pokemon. Yeah. Let's see. Giant pandas reach sexual maturity between the ages of 4 and 8 and can remain fertile until age 20. The oldest known panda lived to 38 and now is in captivity. They mostly make it to the late 20s in the wild. Really? We've outlived most pandas. Outliving well, all these ducks. Honestly, I'm surprised they made it this far. Mm-hmm. Mm. So anytime anyone's like... What are your future plans? I'm like, honestly, I'm surprised. I'm still here. I'm still around. <laughs> um, females go into estrus between March and May. It only lasts for two to three days and only happens once a year. Which I'm like, hashtag goals. <laughs> Not going to estrus any month sounds great. Yeah. That's... Just once a year, just be down for once a year. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> nah. I was going to say the oldest mallard is 27. And when I made 27, I was like, look at you, mallard. I beat you. If she gets pregnant, the gestation period ranges from 95 to 160 days, which is three to five months, which is pretty short. Yeah, that's a pretty short one. Because we're nine months. Elephants are 120 months. Yeah, elephants are pregnant for a long time. I thought they were pregnant for... And then uh, the seals and sea lions we were talking about, what? You said 120. Months? Yeah. So it's like three years? Wait, how A many? year is 12 months. 12, Am I thinking 24, weeks? 36? Am I thinking weeks? I might be thinking three. I think I'm, I'm thinking just like, weeks. <laughs> I'm like 120 like months is like, I think it's I think I'm at weeks. I'm sorry. I think elephants like, are pregnant for a long ass time though. I think like we're 120 like months old. <laughs> like that's Yes. Yeah. I think I was thinking weeks. Yeah. Apologies. We're in our 120 months. Uh, yeah, we are. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Math. Math is hard. Well, you know, neither of us are necessarily um in the uh, mathematicians yeah um so pandas pandas is what we're talking about they're pregnant for three to five months uh half the time two years it was at 10 months 10 years 10 years okay i was definitely thinking of weeks and not months i believe so yeah um half the time giant pandas will give birth to twins in the wild the mother will pick the strongest of the two and let the other die from starvation because she basically it's like two and a half like we talked about, doesn't have any fat reserves, yeah. so she can only nurse one baby. Man, there's so many things here that's just like this shouldn't happen. This shouldn't. Yeah, work. they're just kind of bad. It's bad design. Yeah. Bad design. This would have never made it out of beta. I mean, just yeah. What and giant pandas are born blind, pink, and toothless, and only weigh three point two to four point six ounces. Okay. Yeah. I'm, Compared I'm, to like a baby. like a. 100 pound 100 and 200 pound mother yeah that's really tiny um it's the smallest baby of any placental mammal and when i was a kid based on this knowledge i thought pandas were marsupials Hmm. because marsupials give birth to kind of like small minimal babies and based on what i knew about panda babies i'm like do they have a pouch that they nurse in that is interesting apparently they they don't they, they they basically do give birth to like relative to them underdeveloped tiny Mm -hmm. Um, babies that probably would like sit in a pouch for a considerable amount of time. Yeah. Again, this points to evidence of them kind of being a basal or a living fossil. They have kind of limited like babies and embryos. Um, but also their diet doesn't support them being pregnant any longer because they can't like give nutrients to a baby at that point. Wow. Yeah. There's so many things here that just don't work. Yeah. And yet they still existed for millions of years. Yeah. Successfully. Man, nature's wild. Yeah. That's... There's lots of stuff that exists in a very delicate equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the cub feeds extensively through the first few weeks and may potentially starve when the mother leaves the den to feed for three to four hours. Like the babies feed every for 30 minutes at a time, 16 times a day. So when mom has to go eat, there's a potential they might starve before she gets back. And uh, the cub begins crawling at 75 to 80 days old. So that's a little less than three months. Mm -hmm. Um, And can begin to eat small quantities of bamboo after six months, although they predominantly exist on milk until they're about a year old. Okay. Um, They live with their mothers until they're 18 to two months old. I'm sorry, 18 months to two years old. Okay. Yeah. And one of the biggest challenges to giant panda conservation that is once in captivity, pandas seem to lose in- all interest in mating. Well, home alone stuff. You know, once you get a job, you know. The... Once you're caged into this apartment. Yeah, the job, you know, the drive just ain't there. It's just, you know, uh, they're a wage slave now. <laughs> um, you know, it's... It, do everything you can. You, you do everything you can. your Wendy's at the end of the day, and then uh, you go to bed. You go to, yeah, you just, like, get your bamboo at the end of the day, and you're like, peace. Yep. Um, this has led to such extreme measures as showing pandas videos of giant pandas mating. So, basically, they showed pandas panda porn. porn. Panda porn exists. Of course Which, it does. if I'm going to be a rapper, I hope my name is Panda Porn. No, you, you, <laughs> you, you would come up with something better than that. That's, I mean, that's pretty good, though. To get generic back. Yeah. Well, you can't give them name brand. They're animals. <laughs> Going. I'm sorry. My head just went into a place of just like patents, pharma. Well, I mean, I have, I've had friends that have dogs that need Zoloft, but they don't get like name brand Zoloft. They get the Zoloft knockoff. Of course. Um, the first successful artificial insemination of a giant panda occurred in China in Ju- July of 2019. Richard's judging me in his face. I can see it right now. Um, they also would give the males the equivalent of Viagra. They would give them, the, basically, uh, generic Viagra to get them. Whoa. Yeah. That was, like, yesterday. I know. Well, it was really ten years ago. But it was yesterday. Just 2019. No, to July of 2019. 2019. How are you, like, break that bottleneck? Well, it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And, but it's also very important because if you don't break that genetic bottleneck, you're going to have just like clones. Yeah. It's our and if you get Southern into... California mountain lions. They right. freeways have trapped them off. And so they basically are all cousins fucking. Yeah. Yeah. And when you... Inbreeding is not as bad as everyone wants to make it think it is. But Whoa. inbreeding is kind of bad. Because if you don't have genetic diversity, you're more prone to diseases and genetic diseases viral infections you only get so much variation yeah so they've also weirdly tried to implant embryos of pandas in other animals what but have had no success okay Which, to me i'm like okay no surprise there well it really seems like a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks sticks yeah it, that's kind of where they were at with pandas okay <laughs> they really got a desperate point I guess. yes yeah, they had these weird rabbit panda embryos that they were like, we got embryos out of it, but nothing gave birth to anything alive. And I'm like, well, duh. So the first thing they tried Jurassic Park on was pandas? Yes. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, 2009. Okay. Oh, I fucked up. I said that wrong. No, 2009. I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, Stevie, what year is it? Sorry. How long am I going to sleep? <laughs> Numbers are hard for me to verbalize. July of 2009. Okay, okay. Which is still only 10 years ago. It's not that long ago. Yeah, but you know, everything's relative. And we were just talking about how bad we are at guessing Uh millennia. Um, They were able to use frozen sperm 
which increased genetic diversity diversity available to captive giant pandas. Because if you can only make certain males fuck in captivity, then you only get certain fathers for the genetic line. If they if they can get uh like sperm from other panda and then be able to freeze it and use it for artificial insemination, that's great because then you can get better genetic diversity Okay. among the baby pandas. This is probably another episode, but I do not understand how, like, when you get to an endangered point... What the hell? But at least they pick the species that doesn't switch sex whenever they want. Yeah, well, you know, life finds a way and we happen to pick a creature that by all... uh, Life always finds a way because they just, like, reproduce everywhere all of the time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ian Malcolm was specifically talking about about rabbits. (laughs) Or pandas. Yeah. I have a thumb. A sixth one. A sixth... God, a six, like, a rabbit was, like, a thumb? Yeah. No thanks. So, we mentioned earlier that you thought that pandas were endangered. They're no longer endangered. Well, they're literally the symbol of the World Wildlife Mm -hmm. Foundation. They're now vulnerable. So, they're not doing great. Well, both of us are. Yeah, we're both very vulnerable. That's maybe not a topic for this podcast. Perhaps. This isn't a mental health podcast. The bonus episode. It's a bonus episode. Bloopers. Um, so the giant panda is currently considered a, a vulnerable species and not endangered. Right. Um, they were moved up to that in 2016. Okay. So fairly recent. So somebody had a good 2016. Someone had a good th- 2016. It wasn't us. If you're on a limited diet, you ain't gonna have sex. I, I feel like the millennial comparison really is just there because it's not even just energy. It's just that all of us are on SSDIs and stuff like that. Yeah, we're just like, just low motivation, lower hormones, just like... Look, our huh. climate is collapsing. Our job prospects are shit. We're probably not going to be able to afford property. We are pandas. We have no habitat. Yeah, we, we have no habitat. Have Why diet. should we fuck? Because we're not going to be able to have kids, I guess. Yep. Meh. Millennials are pandas. Millennials, millennials are pandas. Yep. Oh, I don't like that. It's. I it's, don't like pandas. I'd rather be a weasel. I, look, I don't like myself either, but, you know. It, I'm a raccoon. It is what it is. Honestly, I'm actually a coyote. We talked about this last... Like, I talked about this with the episode that was published last week with Jake. And then with Becca. Becca was like, well, coyotes are basically homeless drunk people. And I was like, yeah. That's why I'm a coyote. And she's like, you're, you're not. I'm like, well, I'm not homeless. You also aren't drunk. Um, I mean, I didn't... You know, I, I, I moved from the endangered to the vulnerable. Vulnerable, listen. <laughs> so. um, because the panda isn't doing great because of habitat fragmentation. Because mm-hmm. they need a lot of bamboo all of the time to survive. And we've pretty much cut that shit down. We've kind of cut it down. Yeah. Um, and then they don't like roads or disturbance too. So any roads that lead through this, it's also not good. Okay. Uh, and then uh, there's low birth rates both in the wild and captivity. As you talked about, they're not good at fucking. Mm. Pandas are real bad at it. Well, you know, it, it, I don't think it's right of us to judge. Um, somebody's... Maybe they're ace. <laughs> <laughs> that surprised me. <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't judge. Um, you know, I, I was I was just gonna go ahead and on a diatribe of just like, look, you know, some of us are just bad. All right. Maybe they're pan romantic but asexual. I don't know. I don't want to judge these pandas. Pan romantic but asexual. Man, I love the internet. <laughs> um, God bless us, mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, solidarity to our ace uh, listeners. Yes. I don't mean to make fun of any ace listeners. It's just like, it's funny to compare pandas to that because they're really bad at fucking. Yeah. And honestly, they're just really bad at fucking because they don't have any energy because all they eat is fucking bamboo. Well, yeah. Sometimes. But I'm a very capable drunk person. Fair enough. I'm really a coyote. 
I don't fit in with other millennials. I'm out here being a meso predator, taking advantage of these urban environments. I eat your garbage. I think you're. Probably, I drink your milkshake. You're probably the proto millennial. Uh, probably. I'm. I'm at the upper end of millennial. I think '85 is the cutoff. I was born in '86. It's like '80. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I know a lot of people that are going to be very mad if that's the cutoff. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, Gen X is like right before us, and it goes like. I thought there was, like, a gap between Gen X and Millennials. No, there are some people who are just like, I'm a Xennial and, like, eat shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You're look, a millennial. Look, all these uh, fragmentations are bullshit anyway. Isn't, well, isn't the Millennial definition, like, remembering a post, a pre-9-11 world? Uh, barely. Okay, because I very distinct, this is why I've never identified as being a Millennial, per se, is because I very much remember a post, uh, I'm sorry, a pre uh, 9-11 world. Yeah, I do as well. But it's just, yeah. Because it, um, I was a freshman in high school when that happened. I was in 8th grade. So and like, so it's just like, for me, I'm like, the thing I always bring up with people, I'm like, I remember going to the terminal with my dad and being like, bye dad, as he boarded the plane. Yeah. Which I think a definition of millennial is not remembering that time. Uh, 81 to 96. Really? Yep. I don't know if I agree with that definition per se. Anyways, this is not a podcast about millennial definitions. It's about taxonomy and what better taxonomy is there than generations. No, it's not. That's sociology. I'm not a sociologist by any means. Uh, they're all soft sciences. Oh <laughs> I'm picking on you. I'm going to Jake Kilroy flip this table right now. Just you could do up. it. It's a very flimsy table. It's a very flimsy table. It was given to me. Um, so, pandas. We're yeah. talking about they're not doing well because of habitat fragmentation. Um, its range currently is down to a very small section. I couldn't got, get a percentage on how small it is compared to what it used to be. But pandas used to range, giant pandas used to range from uh, southern and eastern China through Myanmar and northern Vietnam. Which now they're uh, kind of basically like coordinated to a area of the Sichuan Mountains and the Shangxi uh, Mountains. Okay. So very limited. Yeah, my... Um... East Asian uh, geography is uh, a little behind. Myanmar was once called Burma. I I, I knew that. I I'm, I I I made. So southeastern China, like mountainous southeastern China. Basically, if you can find bamboo, pandas should be there. Okay. Kind of is kind of how, what I got from this. Um, I mean that'll help me when I'm in China. Uh, as far as like. This should be where pandas are. Yeah, I'm like oh, pandas. Pandas. They're bound to be around here somewhere. Somewhere. Um, so throughout the 1930s to the 1990s, giant pandas were often poached by the locals, which I didn't realize was a serious issue either, but their fur was highly in demand. Really? Yeah, by the Japanese and other export services. So I'm also sure. What uh, time frame? You said uh, the 30s? 30s to 90s. Okay, booming Japanese market. Booming Japanese market, also probably over here as well. I didn't see anything about that, but also I'm like, I was okay. on Wikipedia, which is like, very white, so I'm like, I'm sure there are people that are like, I want panda coats. Yep. Over here. And there was lots of like uh, roller coaster of uh, demand and hunting based on what wars were happening in China and where the economy was. Um, conservation efforts for pandas were started in 1958 but weren't successful because basically everyone's like, oh my god, I found a panda, let's put it in a cage. Which turns out pandas especially do not enjoy. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what uh, happened with a lot of conservation efforts. Like, I try not to shit on them that much because I'm just like, you guys were trying to, like, 
grab stuff out of the wild and save it. Something. Yeah, it was something. It's definitely something. Now we know better, and we're not doing that necessarily anymore. But you know, basically, you know, uh, what a science, but standing on the shoulders of giants. It's uh, f- figuring out where the uh, previous generations failed. Yeah. Trial and error. We're all just scrambling. Yeah. Quite a bit. I imagine that goes for conservation as well. Yeah. So certain models uh, estimate that there are 1,500 individuals in the wild, um, whereas certain DNA analyses that were done on uh, panda droppings in 2006, which I know sounds silly, but there's DNA in your shit. Oh, you know, believe me, I know. Don't anyone, don't let anyone take it because they'll take your DNA off it and make clones um, off your poop. poop. Uh, hmm? I, I can tell this joke because we're from the same hometown. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, famously, um, a burglar took a shit in uh, Simi Valley home and uh, he got caught because of a DNA uh, Test on it? Yep. Yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> he didn't flush. What kind of asshole? I'm sorry. It's yellow, let it mellow. mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Even if you're a thief. Yeah. I mean, god damn it. Like, Simi Valley is just, like, known for being just fuck all stupid. So, yeah. of course, like, one of the ones that reached national headlines is some asshole who took a shit while doing a B&E. And of course. Of course. But yeah, panda droppings are legit study. So based on the DNA analyses of these droppings, they actually think there might be 2,000 to 3,000 pandas wow. in the wild. Yeah, that's not too bad. Okay. Well, not too that, bad. It feels like a small number. But I know that's like enough to get that's it out of That's better the than it was. Yeah. It's more than a dodo. Yeah, more than a dodo. And as we talked about, the reason why you picked it is because it's such a recognizable species put forth by conservation efforts. Yeah. Um, and it's well-loved because it's cute and they're non-threatening. Uh-huh. Like, even, like, the cute stuff where it's like, tigers are cute, but they'll murder me. Pandas are like, oh, it's cute. It probably won't kill me because it doesn't have enough energy to be aggressive. God bless it. And like we talked about, their face is very round because they have huge jaw muscles to eat plants. Um, there's a lot of debate about this kind of specimen, though, because a lot of money is being spent on giant panda conservation. Mm-hmm. And all the money that's spent on them being bred in captivity, which is a lot of money for panda porn and panda Viagra, could potentially be spent in other ways on conservation. Man, how do you how do you decide what species is worth saving and what isn't? Well, Jake and I kind of talked about this on the episode that I published last week. It's like there's something kind of icky about being like, it's cute, therefore, yeah, we're going to save it. That, that point really hit home for me. I was just like, yeah. Um, the, I don't know if you're a fan of it or not, but uh, Adam Jordan's everything. He's just like, mm-hmm. he, he did an episode on conservation about how it's really fucking hard to do conservation efforts for animals, insects even, uh, that, that aren't cute. Like everyone's, ew, gross. And the thing is, for me, this in particular, this podcast in particular is me trying to be like branching out and being like, Hey guys, it's not just all about the cute ones. Yeah. And that's why uh, I felt really bad about asking about No, but this is a great one to bring up. But I was just like, um, everything I know is a lie. So uh, that's why I I, I asked. But no, this is great because it's just like, it's one of those examples of like, kind of not good at their environment, but they're cute. And like, where is the ethics involved in this? Where do, what do we save? Why do we save it? Because you get into some... Icky eugenics Icky area. eugenics stuff. Yeah, where it's just like, oh, we're going to save them because they're attractive. Yeah, what if we uh, crafted our biomes entirely by what was cute? Cute. We'd be yeah. fucked a million Tribbles. times over. Tribbles. Yeah. Um, well, that species knows how to survive. Survive. Um, 
And then, uh, the thing is, too, like, I, I, I'm very pro-zoo. We've talked about this a lot. I'm very pro-zoo. I grew up going to zoos. I have a lot of respect and appreciation for what zoos do. But also, there's a certain amount of it where I'm like, okay, like, captive breeding these animals, are we just making more cute things to be on display? Can we ever reintroduce them? And a great example of how this worked was the California condor, because we brought them into zoos, we bred them, we were able to raise them as a toy or that we were able to re-release them. To the point where there's viable nesting populations of California condors again. Which is great. But is that going to work for pandas? So it's hard to tell. And then you get into some like territory of just like, okay, all these creatures that are in danger because of our expanding environment. When we have them on hold, we breed them and we have them. But it's just like, will will the environment ever be there to reintroduce them again? So they're just constantly in limbo. We are keeping Mm -hmm. them alive on stasis. Um, Which I think is still better than letting them go extinct. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. Um, but can we be spending more of the money that we spend on keeping them in limbo on getting them environments that they can live in again? Man, and, and as a like deeply anti-capitalist person, I'm just like, yeah, let's go ahead and shrink our environment. Uh, you know, I'm cool with all of us living in like Judge Dread, like uh, mecca cities and stuff like that. Um, uh, but like. I mean, even China. It's very tricky. Mm-hmm. China, in, in particular, is like very crowded. It's expanding. It's well, it's trying to. That's the thing. That's the mm-hmm. funny thing is that uh, because of a lot of uh, and uh, I'm going to go off of my um, Japanese uh, experience, but a lot of East Asians um, basically live in um, ancestral homes. They don't mm-hmm. really branch out. China, I I've read before that they keep building these massive metropolitans um, that are ghost towns. Because nobody moves to them. There's no... Uh, the. Uh, That's part of the issue that I found with researching about, like, predictions for panda expansion is because China just assumes that everyone's going to move to these metropolitan areas and be less agrarian and less farm-heavy, which also, like, creates this whole other issue. So it's just like, is that actually true? Is that China just being hopeful about what they think they're going to get out yeah. of their population? China's trying really hard to expand their man-made islands. Mm-hmm. They're uh, basically expanding constantly uh, into the uh, South Pacific. Um, but uh, Chinese people as a whole, I mean, stereotypes notwithstanding, like uh, everything I've read is just like uh, their culture is built about ancestral homes, staying where... Your ancestors lived, your parents lived, mm-hmm. you take care of your parents, they pass on, you get the house, and, you know, you have your family there, too. It's, right. um, so it, it, it's uh, Chinese culture battling with that. So it's, it, it's interesting that, uh, it's just wild that everything that I've read about Chinese culture, um, bear in mind Western media, uh, absolutely like orientalizes everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, Oh, look at the fantastical East. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt. But, uh, everything that I read is just about like this, uh, Chinese government that's trying to expand into, um, I don't want to say empire. Um, but uh, trying to uh, grow into this... This, uh, this industrial revolution, economic era that they may not be able to sustain. Yeah, this 21st century... This idea that they have of a 21st mm-hmm. century country that um, doesn't hold to traditional Chinese values. Yeah. And so the idea of like the panda's habitat being threatened is almost arbitrary at this point because they're doing it even though, like by my accounts... 
the articles I've read would take for the grain of salt, and I don't know if they're any good, uh, is that like Chinese people are not moving to them. They are not right. going there. They're, right, which is like the studies that I found that were like talking about fragmentation of their habitat. It's like, oh, everyone's moving urbanly. And I'm like, I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, they're all congregating yeah. in cities. Yeah. Um, massive uh, cities and stuff like that. That's why the, um, uh, what is it, the Hong Kong uh, uh, protests are right. such a big deal. It's just like, it's basically uh, a massive urban metropolis uh, that has always straddled the line between Chinese and not. Right. Between Chinese, communist, socialist agenda and like capitalist. a de- democratic capitalist yeah. kind of ideal. Yeah. So that's that's very tricky. Um, I will say this about the flagship species thing. Like pandas are cute and therefore should we save them. Um, some of the studies that have been done over the past like 10 years in this like concern of this issue have shown that pandas like many of these other cute adorable species can act as an umbrella species. Which is like... The average person is like, oh my god, pandas, they're adorable, and we should save them. They spend money, worth wherever the situation is, on saving the panda. That money goes into conserving their environment, and conserving that environment saves a bunch of other species. So, uh, the money that has been poured into saving the panda over the past 30 years or so has probably gone into... um, saving a number of other species so a study in 2015 looking at like pandas being like that flagship species the environments the reserves that were put aside for pandas probably helped a number of endemic species in china so species that are only found in china including 70 percent of the china's forest birds uh 70 percent of the mammals found in that same environment and about 31 percent of the amphibians wow pour money into it it's like oh my gosh like this species of cat Look at it. Look at look at how cute it is. Look like, at its big eyes mm-hmm. and how cute. Well, it panda's is. been very successful because panda is the great example of like large. Yeah. That most predators get to, but adorable like an herbivore. Yeah. So we don't really have anything that quite fits that mold. Man, I really do like to pick animals that just straddle a whole bunch of lines. Yeah. Man, if environmentalists just like went ahead and tapped that, of just like okay, pick a cute species in each biome, mm-hmm. and just like. I don't want to say worth concern. Polar bear. Polar bear. Yeah, yeah. they are. Uh, they are. Really... The current era. Because the thing is, my first instinct was tiger. But tigers are actually starting to do better. They're rebounding. Um, and they're rebounding. But it's just like, I feel like with them picking the panda, they were trying to go for this like weird style of like predator, adorable predator. Yeah. And kind of like, but tigers, tigers are a good example of like cute, but threatening. Whereas I think polar bears right now are a great example and a flagship for climate change because yeah. it's not just us ice it's That's... not just us hunting them it's they're them losing their environment because it's too warm for them to actively hunt things because of ice melt i am totally on board for this but as far and as also like, polar bears are cute in a way where i'm like it's gonna kill me <laughs> yes they are they are very cute but as far as like you know, from a design element, a solid white animals maybe not. Maybe well, but I think that's great too because you can get like you can do the outline with a striking ear, like nose and eyes. Yeah. On uh, a logo design. You're also an artist, so mm-hmm. I, what was I doing? Going into your territory. Why am I even <laughs> on this podcast? Art. That's like my, my thought, where I was originally thought tigers too, because tigers are very striking. But I think polar yeah. bear is a great mix of all of these things. Yeah, that would be really good. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's a that's a, that's a really. I think good that's answer. a good one. That's a really good answer. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at the end. Okay. We made it. We did it. We did it. We took a few di- uh, you know. We did, diatribes. and we drank a whole six pack between the two of us. We did. 
think I only had three. Yeah, I only have three. You only have three. That's your thing. Um, is there anything you would like to plug before we're gone today? I have... Because you finally started your I podcast. Did. Yes? Yay! Uh, I, I published my first episode of my podcast, Hold No Heroes, uh, by Richard Doom. But yeah, that's where we're at with pandas. It's just like, yeah, maybe we should focus on them because they're kind of dumb. Can I ask and you... And everyone's just like, like them because they're cute, but also it's like, apparently saving pandas is saving a bunch of other things. Can I ask you a dumb question? Mm-hmm. If you were to pick a World Wildlife Foundation symbol, a new one, what would it be other than the panda? Mm. Something that's like, I don't know, in your mind, uh, Hold No Heroes has a Twitter account, at Hold No Heroes. Um, I'm surprised that name wasn't taken. I know, right? It's... But, uh... Yeah, Hold No Heroes, first episode. I'm hoping to publish the second episode um, real soon. I'm hoping to record the uh, second episode real soon. Um, I already know what the topic is going to be. So, um, I don't know. I guess the reason why I've always like said it as a catchphrase is because mm-hmm. I haven't heard it from other people. And, you know, uh, much in the same vein of just like, oh, you know, everything, nothing new is under the sun. Uh, right. Uh, but I was really surprised. I'm so like, I was like oh. shocked when Buzz Biology wasn't taken. I was like, oh my god, I got it. Alliteration. That, that just nails it. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Twitter, Hold No Heroes. Um, Richard Doom now has a Facebook page. Mm. That is where I'm posting episodes of the podcast. I have not made a Facebook page for Hold No he- Heroes because... I don't know, I, I felt like it was going to be one or the other. And yeah. this way, uh, Facebook friends can go ahead and tag Richard Doom instead of my real name. So uh, that is uh, what I'll be plugging. Hold No Heroes is about politics. Uh, completely different vein than this. <laughs> uh, but politics and uh, nerd shit. Um, politics in the context of nerd shit. Like how your nerdy interests maybe influences your politics or yeah. vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Vice versa is uh, definitely the key phrase there. I will use um, comic books or, um, I don't know, uh, TV shows or um, video games to talk about politics and politics um, on the lens of popular culture. Nice. It's the stuff that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, it's cheaper than therapy. It is cheaper than therapy. It's easy to record. It just takes time. Yeah. Got to put some time into it. Time and effort into it. All right, folks, um, I think we're done for tonight. Uh, drink responsibly. Indeed. Mine's empty. I can't choose you. Uh, drive safe. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Always don't drink and drive. Never drink, Never and, drink drive. and drive. All right, folks, I'll see you again in a week. Bye-bye. Bye.